This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Vegas Golden Knights poured it on in Game 6 against the Dallas Stars. That goal by Keegan Colasar, just half the damage that Vegas would do. And really, at 3-0, it was the cherry on top for a dominant performance that sees the Dallas Stars season end in the Western Conference Final. And sees the Vegas Golden Knights off to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second time in their short history as an NHL franchise. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Got my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor along with us this afternoon. We have a ton to get to. On this Tuesday edition of the show, we will obviously kick things off with uh, a conversation around the now confirmed Stanley Cup final matchup. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Florida Panthers. It gets going on Saturday from Las Vegas. Somebody is getting their first ever Stanley Cup. We'll dive into that. We'll also talk a little bit of Dallas Stars and what this means for that group going forward. Plus, the NHL coaching carousel taking a turn today. What does that mean for the Calgary Flames? An intriguing name, perhaps, off of their list when it comes to potential head coaching candidates. We'll tell you who's heading where and what that means for the Flames coming up a little bit later on this hour. Kicking off hour two, we got lots to get to as well. WPCA Insider Report. We'll talk some chucks a little bit later on. Lane McGilvery going to join us we got a Stampeders report coming your way as the Stamps get set for their final preseason game on Thursday against the BC Lions. And we'll check in with uh, Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, get his thoughts on what should be a very entertaining Stanley Cup final. Florida and the Vegas Golden Knights also get his thoughts on uh, a couple of the coaching changes that we saw today as well. But let's, uh, let's talk about last night. Game 6 domination by the Vegas Golden Knights. If you were one of the people that might have tuned the channel off after it was 3-0 last night, you didn't miss much. The Golden Knights came in with an aggressive mindset. They were the better team from the drop of the puck. And 341 into the game, William Carrier, with his second of the postseason, gave you the game-winning goal. Add in goals by Carlson, Colasar, Marsha Show, and eventually Michael Amadio at 1225 in period number three. And that's how you get 
to a 6-0 final. 29 shots on goal for Vegas. They won 54% of the faceoffs, one for three on the power play. And really, I'd love to tell you it was more complicated than this, that there were you know, different factors that led to it. It was as simple as this for me. They were far and away the better team. I don't want to know if you want to say Dallas ran out of gas or what exactly the reasoning was. They were at home. They were getting their captain back from a two-game suspension, and they fell flat on their face. That just wasn't good enough from the Dallas Stars in a must-win game. And for all the talk we had about Jamie Benn coming back in and being a motivated factor, being a guy that was going to make the difference for this Dallas team, you look at the stat line for Jamie Benn, and if you're a Dallas Stars fan, you're pretty disappointed. He finishes minus two on the night, one shot on goal, two hits, three blocks to go with a giveaway and a takeaway. He plays just 12 minutes and 36 seconds on the night. That is one of the lowest among Dallas's uh, forward group. Certainly low when it comes to the star group for Dallas and the guys that really move the needle. Um, you know, and this to be said, let's be honest, in a game that was well put away by the third period, you weren't exactly stretching lines out as much if you were Dallas as you know, you'd like to say you're going to fight for your season, but at five, six, nothing, you, you know what the result was going to be. We'll talk more about Dallas coming up in just a little bit, but uh, you know, really the focus is and should be on the Vegas golden Knights, a bit of a scare, obviously the two games there for them um, that made this series a little bit more interesting, but here we are again, the Vegas golden Knights uh, on the precipice of their first Stanley cup ever and they lost in five games to the Washington Capitals in 2018 many of these players uh, on this team were on that team uh, Carlson, Marshall Smith, Carrier, McNabb and Shea Theodore were in that 2018 Cup Final they have a couple of Stanley Cup champions from other teams among them including Petrangelo and Barbashev, who won it with the Blues in 2019. Chandler Stevenson was part of that Capitals team that beat Vegas back in 2018. Uh, well, Alec Martinez and Jonathan Quick, Cup champions with the Kings in 2012 and 2014. Vegas, like we've mentioned so many times, has defied pretty much every odd that you could have had as an expansion team. We didn't know what it was going to look like for Vegas or for Seattle even when this whole process got brought up by the NHL because we, we talked it was going to be a much different expansion process. The way that the draft was going to work was going to give teams, new teams coming into the league, an opportunity to start you know with a good foundation. And the Golden Knights started with a, a pretty outstanding foundation, but more than that, they, they built upon it with this aggressive mindset that, Look, it's rubbed some people the wrong way, but you can't argue with the results. And I don't want to bring this back to, to just Calgary, but I'll use Calgary as an example among other teams. If you were Calgary the last couple of years, if you're even Edmonton or Vancouver or Toronto, any of these teams, you know, the American teams too, that have, you know, gone through extended playoff droughts, 
you have to be sitting there and looking at what the Vegas Golden Knights have done in the last six years and saying, look, there has to be something to pick up on here. The aggressive nature and going out and, and going for the players, whether it was Jack Eichel or Mark Stone or Alex Petrangelo, because it, it's led to success. They've moved on from head coaches. They've moved on from star players. Perhaps the most intriguing and fan favorite player that the Vegas Golden Knights ever had in their history was Marc-Andre Fleury. And sure, there's probably a case to be made about him staying there and you know, still having a productive outset with them, but they, they made the moves that they've made. And again, at the end of the day, you just can't argue with the results. And here they are again, if they haven't been winning multiple playoff rounds, they've been in the Stanley cup final, the chance for them to go back this year. And for a lot of those players finish off a goal that their owner came into NHL existence with, and that was winning a Stanley cup in their first six years of existence. Uh, how are they feeling after this one? Well, let's check in with head coach Bruce Cassidy post game last night following the big win for his team. Uh, Bruce Cassidy's first year coaching the Golden Knights and has found uh, a number of successes with them, obviously leading them to a Stanley Cup final after he had some pretty good success himself as a coach of the Boston Bruins, but now looking to win a championship with Vegas. Here's uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy following the win for his group last night. Yeah, well, it's definitely our best game of the playoffs, and it came at the right time. Um, you never know when it's going to happen. You always want to keep building. So, boy, if we can bottle that going forward, uh, we're going to be a tough team to beat. But guys responded well to a little adversity. You get down, and um, great start. We just kept going from there. And I think they knew the importance of it. That's why you can sustain it. Uh, just you don't want to let a team off off the mat. We were up 3 nothing. There was some chatter about that so we wanted to make sure we took care of business and once we did get the lead I thought we did a great job staying focused on uh, what was in front of us up front Jesse Granger at the athletic I know you still have another round to go but what does this moment mean for you with everything you've been through over the last year to to make it to this point your first year with this team well listen it's I think it's an honor and a privilege to coach in the National Hockey League for any team Uh, you know for me it happens to be the Golden Knights and it was a we were looking at it as a family, as a, a new adventure for us, and here we are going to the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it's what you want, but so do 31 other teams, right? And only two get to go there. So uh, it feels great right now. I think as a coach, you know, you'll enjoy it for a bit, and then it's right back to work because I've been there once and it didn't work out. You're losing game seven. So, you know, there's a lot of work ahead of you, but I do believe you have to enjoy these moments. It's not easy to do. Um, I thought Dallas played a terrific series, got behind a little early at home with some overtime goals. You never know how those are going to shake out. And they were, they were a great opponent. And we just happened to be a little bit better. And, um, and like I said, now it's on to the, the final round. So it's, it's actually been a great year to get to know everyone around. Like I didn't know a lot of people in the York. I knew George from years and years ago, but after that, there's very few. So it's been a great experience to get to this point, uh, forming new relationships that we keep on building. <clears throat> Right side, third row. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN. Bruce, you've been around this game for a long time. How much stock do you put into the voodoo of the conference trophy? Uh, They didn't touch it tonight. Your boys in Boston didn't touch it when you won the conference title. What do you feel about that? I remember in Carolina, we won it in Carolina. They didn't touch it. So I asked the guys. I'm not a superstitious guy at all. So I was game for whatever they decided. I mean, it's their moment. Um, 
they want to pass it around, great. If not, um, that's fine by me too. On the left. Then goes Las Vegas Regional. Bruce, you put Nick Waugh back with Will Carrier and Keegan Colasar. What did their start to this game mean to you? Everything. Huh? Everything. Um, you know, it's a lineup we like and have liked. You know, the question will probably come up, why like why did you ever go away from it, right? Like, but I think what happened in Edmonton is you start to see these dominant center and, and you, you start thinking matchup and William Carlson was very good at it. So moving another a uh, guy like Nick Waugh up with them. You got face off, you know what I mean? There's different reasons guys that play center. So we kind of stuck with it for a while because I thought hints, honestly, at the start of the series was, you know, flying around like, you know, listen, no one's McDavid, but, you know, I mean, he was a dominant number one center and we had to make sure we found a way to keep him in check. So we kept, kept with it, but that got away from our rhythm of four lines a little bit in terms of Nick being that anchor on that line. And so Teddy comes in and does a really good job too, I think, with just a little bit different players. So we just felt... Until a team's depth beats us, that's the way we're going to go. And a team's depth beat us in game five. That's what happened at home. Dallas's depth beat us. Okay, let's get back to balancing the lines. And, and uh, so it's just a little bit of the adjustments that go on in a series. And it looks like they were happy to be reunited. And, and good for them. Those are good soldiers. Those are great stories. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have been in that position as fourth-line guys. They don't get the, the ink. They're not talked about. But these are valuable guys. You don't win without them. You don't win without them, and we're not winning if those guys aren't, you know, a part of our team. Hey, on the left. I know it's your first season in Vegas. Talking to some of the, the players who've been here since the beginning through all the ups and downs, so that there's a big difference. It's a more mature team. I'm not going to take this for granted. Very, very hungry um, to, to, to win one more series. Do you sense that, and how can that help you? going forward and I do and, it, and it's mostly been ups for this team right last year they missed the playoffs but they've been a lot of they went to the finals their first year it's our third trip to the conference finals my first with the with the Knights but you know we had a little honest conversation about that last night what's in front of us you know it's okay to it's okay to dream a little bit of you know you know once we you know get that fourth win what's in front of us and what prevented them from doing it the previous year so we, we talked about that and uh, openly about it and and then today was more about okay now we drill down on the details of how we're going to win that game and I thought we did a real good job of handling those conversations now getting back to work and now being in the moment today and we have some veteran guys in the room so credit to them they, they've been through it um, and uh, here we are about you know we took another step we took another step we got through this to the final now the conversation becomes you know it's about finishing the job and you know Florida's having the same conversation but that's where we were, and, and, and good for the guys for responding today. I think to a man, they, they all brought their A game. We have time for two more questions. Left side, fourth row. Uh, Bruce, over here. Uh, we talked about your depth. Obviously, the team has some big ticket players, too. Um, I don't know where William Carlson kind of fits in that, in that uh, but, you know, he's had a big series, 10 goals in the playoffs. What's clicking for him uh, so far, uh, and, and how big has he been to your team? Well, success? I think he's had a terrific second half. Um, He's really found his stride. Um, can use him in any role. Obviously, he's power play, PK, checking, offensive guy. So can't say enough about him. He's just a terrific guy. It just goes to work every day. No maintenance. I remember at the start of the year, he's playing with a couple of younger guys, and we're using some, you know, I guess more guys more advanced in their career, and he kind of, you know, had to pull some young guys into it in a different role and never said a word. Just, I'm going to do what I got to do. And so you're happy for those guys. You're just happy for him, and he's a real quiet leader. 
Like, we have a lot of guys in our team that are veteran guys. Like, he could be a captain in my eyes, the way he conducts his business every day. We just happen to have three or four of those guys that are really good at it. And as a coach, you're fortunate to have them. And I can't say enough good things about him. Um, like I said, happy for him. Talked about this before. It's de so there's some daddy power in there that we, from some of our guys that may be kicking in. So keep it coming. <clears throat> Last question, right side in the back. Ken Bolke, Sinman, Not Vegas. We've talked a lot about the players, about their trip to the final. I'm wondering how similar does this feel to your trip to the final? Well, I've got to think back now. Um, we had a difficult first series. That would be different. We had to go seven, I think, with Toronto. Um, and then we picked up steam from there. Um, so it was a... I don't know, Ken. I honestly can't answer that right now. I'm stumped. Can I say that? I'm stumped right now. I, you know, they're both, you know, so satisfying, but, you know, to compare them, I'd have to think back a little bit. Uh, I had less of a bald spot. I know that for a fact. Um, you know, two great locker rooms. That's usually what happens. You know, you get to the final four. I mean, Dallas has spoken highly of their locker room. I know Carolina has, and just, you know, someone has to win, someone has to lose, but, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I can't really elaborate, to be honest. We'll have to think about that. I am giving away hats, though, if that, if, here, if anybody wants one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this one, just like I did then, to be honest with you. I do remember we had about a 10- or 11-day break. I do remember that, which was what Florida's dealing with right now. Uh, this one will be, the timing might be a little smoother to get up and running again, but, I mean, that's all speculation, I guess, until you get playing. There you go, Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, following last night's win against the Flor against the Dallas Stars, setting up a matchup Saturday night against the Florida Panthers. Uh, yes, Florida going to come in with some extra rest, but with no hockey until Saturday. Both teams will be rested and ready to go for game one of the Stanley Cup final. On the other side, the Dallas Stars, their season comes to an end in six games. Mentioned it before, the, the Jamie Benn factor in all of this. I think a lot of people... We're looking for him to, to have more of an impact, to have some sort of impact, given how he went out in the series with that two-game suspension, the deserved two-game suspension for Jamie Benn. Must have an opportunity at home, and you're just looking for more than 12.38 of ice time and one shot on goal for your captain. And for the Dallas Stars, I think they exceeded some expectations this year, but it's an interesting road forward for this Stars team who really is being carried by the likes of Hintz and Robertson and at times Pavelski. He's sort of the outlier to this, but what do you do with this team? How does this team move forward with two more years of Jamie Benn at $9.5 million and four more years of Tyler Sagan at $9.8 million? Now, you've got Hints locked in. That's the good news. You've got Robertson locked in a, a good money for the next three years, so the Ben contract will be up in time for you to get Robertson in. But, you know, it's those pieces around in Dallas that become, you know, you're just not going to be able to afford the, the Max Domies, the extra pieces that you get year after year when you have those guys in your lineup. And look, they weren't bad this year. Jamie Benn, by regular season standards, really picked up his game. 78 points in, in 82 games, and he did have 11 more points in the postseason. 
But when you make that kind of cash against the cap, you, you've got to be leading the way, and you're probably lucky that you have a guy like Joe Pavelski who's you know taking $3.5 million as a veteran guy and still being the kind of performer that he is, but it's just not going to last forever. And you've got a lot of money invested in those two guys. You're still going to need them when the playoffs show up and, and uh, to show up. And Jamie Ben just didn't do that. Tyler Sagan has kind of been what he's been in, in, in Dallas. That's right around a 50 point guy. He had nine points during the playoffs. Again, not bad numbers, but tough numbers for sure. When you're making the kind of cash that both of those guys are, uh, let's hear from uh, Dallas head coach, Pete DeBoer uh, following his team's elimination at the hands of the golden Knights last night. Uh, here he is post-game following the 6 nothing loss. Hey, Sam, buddy. Uh, just what's the emotions in the immediate aftermath of something where you guys come back two games and then have that sort yeah. of intended? Well, first, c- congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, I thought they played a perfect elimination game. Um, came in, they went to another level we didn't, we didn't get to tonight. Uh, deserved to win. And... Uh, you know, if we can't win, um, you know, there's some guys in that dressing room there that I really hope can win a cup. You know, I, I watched Mark Stone and Jack Eichel and Martinez and Riley Smith rehab, you know, tons of, over tons of games and months last year. The adversity that group dealt with last year and they're healthy now and playing. so. You know, if we can't win, there's a lot of guys in that dressing room that uh, I hope can win a cup with what they've been through. Um, real, real disappointed for our group, not not in our group, for our group, uh, for the way the season ended. You know, for the the time and and commitment and energy that group put in to the season. You know, shouldn't end that way. Shouldn't feel that way. But that's hockey. I think. Um, you know, it was a case of Vegas went to another level and, uh, you know, maybe one too many nights of us going to the well in an elimination game. I think that was our fourth. You know, I don't think Vegas has played one yet. Every time you go to an elimination game, you know, it takes a toll physically, mentally. You know, it's hard to refill that tank over and over again. And, um, you know, I just didn't think there was a lot left tonight. On the right. Hi, Pete. Hey. Taylor Baird, NHL.com. We hear a lot about how teams have to lose in order to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can your group build upon this season? Well, we'll, we'll you know, look at everything uh, once we have it and, and look at it. There's a lot to be proud of. Uh, there's only four teams left standing uh, out of 32. So, um, you know, and I don't think at the beginning of the year a lot of, a lot of people had us penciled as one of them. So there was a lot of, a lot of work put in by our group, a lot of pride in, in the work they did. We beat two very good teams to get here, Minnesota and Seattle, and, and they both took a chunk out of us doing it. You know, we, we didn't have an easy path here, and that takes a toll on you too as, as you go through. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but you can learn, obviously, every time you lose uh, on what you have to do better. Left side, second row. I just want to go back to that trying to climb out of that 3 nothing hole. There's a reason only four teams have been able to do it. Yeah. Um, but is it 
like you talked about the emotional toll, but is, is it that and physical and playing from the edge of a cliff every game, I guess, is that kind of all build up? Yeah, I think it does. I think, I think, I think it does. I, I think, uh, you know, that desperation level, going to that place as a player, um, you know, takes, takes a lot of energy. And, you know, it's hard to refill that when you've got to do it. You're not doing it, you know, once and then going to the next series. You're like we did in game seven against Seattle and then started. You're doing it. You're asking your group to do it four, four times in a row. So that, that's tough, especially when you're playing a, an excellent hockey team on the other side. In the middle, fourth row. Hi, Pete. Leah Simakoff, hey, Dallas Morning News. So you talk about kind of being in a tough position in elimination games. We've talked a lot about Jake in elimination games. Mm -hmm. When you look at how he played tonight, do you see it as if he was kind of put in some tough spots or yeah. he ran out of gas? How do you analyze it? No, we, 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 we put him in some tough spots. You know, you can't ask him to win that game by himself. I, I think he was part of our group. I think, uh, you know, he, uh, he went to that place a lot for us. Uh, through these playoffs and down the stretch, you know, to you know, to get seating, we had an injury to Wedgwood. We 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 asked an awful lot of him. I thought he had a hell of a, se a season. Um, you know, he was he was our backbone all year, and you know that game isn't on him. If if there's it probably, I feel bad for our group. I feel worse, you know, that he ends a season like that because he doesn't deserve that with how he played this year. Right side, third row. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN. Pete, hey, um, they were able to build a 3 nothing lead in the first period twice in your building. Um, yeah. Is that them being an elite road team? Is it some deficiency with you guys? What did you see in, in that case? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a fair uh, question. I think, um, you know, our starts in some games, our starts to series, you know, I think, honestly, I think the series for us, uh, um, you know, game one, we didn't uh, play well, found a way to climb in, lost in overtime. Game three, we self-destructed, you know. So you hand two, two games away uh, at this time of year. It's, it's, it's a big ass to get back in. So there, there's no doubt that was a, a factor. Fourth row, right side. Coach Mack Hey, Mack. Um, was Jake Ottinger or any of your players playing with major injury uh, here in this round? I, well, they, you don't get to this point in the season without uh, all kinds of injuries. I wouldn't call any major. They wouldn't be out there. But, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of guys uh, dinged up. And Jake did play through the playoffs with some injuries. Yeah. Last question, front row. Hey, um, you were brought in to, for, for a long haul. And, and, you know, like you said, not a lot of people had you guys here. How, how just impressed are you or, or, you know, whatever of your group, the way they kind of bought into you and your system and everything right from the first season? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, really, really proud of our group and the hockey we played. And, um, you know, I, uh, like I said, I think uh, it's a tough, tough, way to end a season when you know there's been so many good things that they've done so that'll take a, a few days to get over but I think when we reflect on it I think uh, you know I, I, I think they'll be very proud of the the work they put in this year they should be
There you go. Let's beat DeBoer. Dallas Stars head coach closing things off for their season following that 6 nothing loss to the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 6 of the Western Conference Final. Now all that's left is Game 1, Stanley Cup Final, Florida and the Vegas Golden Knights. They kick things off on Saturday night in Las Vegas. We will take a break, come back on the other side. More NHL news to dive into next uh, as the NHL's head coaching carousel uh, begins to spin in at least two locations and it perhaps takes off a name that was high on the Calgary Flames wish list. We'll tell you who's going where and what it means for the Flames coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, hour one's rolling on. Sportsnet Today is underway. Logan Gordon along with you. Kicked off the hour. Talking about the Stanley Cup final that is now set. Golden Knights, Panthers. We will do our Sportsnet Today bracket predictions on Thursday. We'll do it Thursday. We'll give Taylor some time to recover after a a rough round three for her picks. Uh, um, excuse me? It was you jinxing my picks. I don't know what you're talking about. So you are now getting to go first. <laughs> so you're just going to go exactly the opposite of what I do? Depending. Is that what you're saying? Depending on your picks. But most likely, yes. Guess you'll have to wait and see what uh, what happens on Thursday then. I'm going to put in some ultimate research. And uh, just, just so we know, the uh, Stanley Cup final picks, everything else has been worth one point. These ones are actually worth a thousand points. So if anybody can win. Except for Logan. Except for, yeah, probably so. Uh, in fairness, I don't deserve to win. I've been putrid. I've just been awful. I could have guessed a thousand times that I never would have come up with Vegas and Florida. I, I could do this again a thousand different times. It just never would happen. It was such a pitiful excuse of a picks for me. How many brackets do we think are still good from that bracket challenge that the NHL put out at the beginning of the playoffs? I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. Like I don't... I mean, I'm pretty sure the only person who has Florida is one of my friends who literally puts Florida in her bracket to win the Stanley Cup every single year for the past three years. See, here's the thing with Florida is it's not crazy that they're here. It's unlikely. Don't get me wrong. They barely made the playoffs. They're a wild card team. They had a murderer's row to get through. I, I understand all of that, but I don't think... And I'll ask Matt Marchese this when I bring him on an hour two. I really don't think if you go back to September or October and you said, could you see a Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Stanley Cup final? I don't think people would look at you that crazy. Unlikely? Sure. But I mean, Florida did just win the President's Trophy last year. Vegas has been in this thing every year except for last year as far as like playoff contention goes. I just don't think it's crazy. Again, maybe it's less likely because of how Florida got there. Like I said, through the wild card and everything, but I don't think it's again. I just don't think it's insane to think that they got here. I think it was a good team. More crazy. Like once you saw what their road in the playoffs were, that's when it got more crazy. Cause you saw, okay, they're going to go up against Boston who just won the what most 
regular season games in NHL history. Like, okay, first you got to get over that hump. Okay. They do it in seven. And then, okay, Toronto's a little bit easier, I'll admit. But still, not by any stretch of the words, a non-formidable opponent. And then you got to go through this last series. And, it, you know, I mean, they did it in pretty short fashion. But it was pretty tough road. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play it like that for sure. It's just, I'm, I'm very curious. And, and look, as somebody says in the fan feedback line nine six zero nine six zero, which is by the way always open to you here on Sportsnet uh, today. Nobody had them beating Boston, and that's that's true. But maybe we should have because as we've looked upon in the last ten years, and as we talked about with Boston heading into this. Look at what Florida did last year with the President's Trophy. Nothing. And like the last 10 years, anybody that's won the President's Trophy has been a bum in the playoffs. Just a bum. Nothing good. One series maybe here or there. But clearly winning the President's Trophy hasn't meant as much as we thought it was. And that, that texture is not wrong. Right. By the way, most people had Boston beating them and they looked like they were going to. But again... Maybe we need to look back at it and say, yeah, maybe the President's Trophy isn't all that it's choked up to be. At least it hasn't been the last little while. Before coming in and watching the NHL on like a very serious basis for this job, I, I was not a very superstitious sports person. Like I was following basketball. There are some superstitions around the NBA, but watching the NHL this year, it feels like there are so many of these superstitions that a lot of them have, feel like they have some merit to it. President's uh, trophy curse is apparently very real, and now people are deciding whether or not they want to touch the, I can't remember the name of the trophies, but the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference trophies. That has a curse attached to it, too, and it's a very superstitious league. Yeah, hockey players are like that. They're creatures of habit, and, I mean, the trophy one is... It was simple to me because... Last time in 2018, when Vegas lost to Washington, they did touch it. So, and now they're for, not. Yeah. So for me, if if that was going to be the conversation, okay, we won't touch it this year. So if Vegas wins this year, see if it's different, then then you can go ahead and chalk it up to that. There may be some merit to it. Maybe I like it. Uh, so we'll wait and see. Uh, what's going on with the um, Stanley Cup Finals? It gets set on Saturday night, so without some hockey for a couple of days, but at least on this Tuesday, we've got some outside news to sink our teeth into, and we can sort of bring it back towards the Calgary Flames. Two coaching vacancies, well, I guess one coaching vacancy gets filled, and another one is going to get filled. Uh, so on this Tuesday morning, uh, a pair of different news items to get you to as far as coaches go. We'll start in the U.S. Capitol, where the Washington Capitals have named Spencer Carberry as the team's next head coach. He's 41 years old, is the 20th head coach in Capitals franchise history, and returns to the organization after spending the last two seasons as an assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs. With Toronto, he was responsible for the team's power play and oversaw the team's forwards. During his tenure, the Leafs ranked first in power play percentage in 21-22, with 
which was a 7.3% improvement from the previous season. And they averaged out at 26.6% with him running the power play in T.O. Uh, before he was in Toronto, he was the head coach of Washington's American Hockey League affiliate, the Hershey Bears, for three seasons, where he posted a combined record of 104, 59, and 8. He was the uh, outstanding HL, standing coach of the year in 2020-21, and the fifth coach in Hershey franchise history to win that award. So very familiar to the Washington organization. He is a native of Victoria, British Columbia, and has coaching experience going all the way back to the AHL and ECHL levels. Uh, he's been a coach since 2010, um, going back to a uh, time in South Carolina. So Spencer Carberry, the next head coach of the Washington Capitals. And in Nashville, well, this hasn't been made official yet. NHL insider from NHL Network and ESPN, Kevin Weeks, reporting this morning that the Nashville Predators will officially fire John Hines as their head coach and insert Andrew Brunette as their next head coach. Brunette was a finalist for the Jack Adams Award last season uh, when he took over for the Florida Panthers, helping them do a President's Trophy winning campaign. Was an assistant coach with the Devils last year. And, of course is a trivia question in Nashville Predators history. He played for the Preds in 1998-1999 and scored the franchise's first ever goal. He would only play in 77 games as a Predator, but would play 1,110 career NHL games over uh, a number of seasons, obviously. With uh, the Panthers as head coach, he put up a 51-18-6 record. While John Hines had one year remaining on his contract, the Preds finished this year fifth in the Central Division, missed the playoffs for the first time since 2013-2014. In his four seasons as the coach in Nashville, Hines put together a record 134-96-18, and never advancing past the opening round of the playoffs. Brunette expected to be the first head coach of Barry Trott's tenure as GM. He's taking over. For David Poyle, who of course was in that position for 26 years. So Carberry in in Washington and expected to be official sooner than later that Andrew Brunette will return to the Nashville Predators organization and take over for the recently fired John Hines. So two things there. One, obviously... Uh, when it comes to the Calgary Flames, Andrew Brunette, a name that a lot of people in Calgary had circled for a long time. Obviously, because of his relationship with Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, going back to their time in Florida, former NHL player, very highly regarded, still stayed in coaching last year. As I mentioned, he was the assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils, who uh, made some noise in the playoffs this year in the Eastern Conference. And doesn't last too long uh, in the open market. Not unsurprising that the National Predators go with a experienced or more experienced head coach. Somebody that they've obviously known for a while. Barry Trotz and David Poyle, who's still going to be in the Preds organization, would obviously have had a relationship with Burnett. But 
that takes a, a name off of the list for the Calgary Flames. And look, whether you liked the idea of Burnett or not as the Flames' next head coach, I think it was always an interesting candidate and always an interesting conversation to have because of the Burnett-Huberto relationship. And if you thought as a Calgary Flames fan or Flames management that perhaps he could be the guy that reignited Jonathan Huberto's offensive spark here in Calgary, you had to consider him for the job. I, I think I think he got a raw deal in Florida. It's tough to say that now because the next coach he hire obviously led them to the Stanley Cup final. So did they make the right choice? Yeah, probably. Paul Maurice has the Panthers in a Stanley Cup final. Burnett with a President's Trophy winning team was out in the second round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I still thought it was a hard decision at the time. and Apparently it wasn't for Florida and they look good now, but I think Nashville gets a very solid head coach. I think this is a guy that's been talked about as a guy that should be a head coach, has that sort of knowledge and relationship with players that people and organizations value nowadays. Not that long ago, he was a player in the league. So, you know, those relationships matter. Those are words that you've heard out of Craig Conroy since he's become the new Flames general manager. It's, you know, of course, it's the X's and O's and understanding systems and how you want people to play and how you want your players to go out on the ice and execute things. But it's about relationships. And Andrew Burnett's a guy that's clearly established some of those across the league and uh, for his work and for his time now gets uh, another head coaching opportunity with the Nashville Predators. So Mark one off of the list for the Calgary Flames still leaves a long list of candidates that we've talked about. We talked, of course, about the internal ones, whether you're talking about Huska, talking about Mitch Love, talk about Kirk Muller, all those guys still in play. Um, based on Elliot's latest 32 thoughts comments, doesn't sound like Laviolette has a real interest in Calgary. Uh, but, of course, there's still Gerard Gallant, whose name has been out there attached to the Flames, and uh, from Detroit and recently of Team Canada, uh, gold medal winning assistant coach Alex Tongay um, has been out there as well. So you scratch one name off of what's a, a pretty long list here for the Calgary Flames. It would be interesting to hear if we find out from any of the insiders whether or not Burnett actually got to the point of having a conversation with Conroy. Did they get to the interview process? Seems like Nashville, once they, they got to Burnett and, and wanted to make this decision, were pretty quick in in changing paths and moving on from John Hines to bring Burnett in. But like we said, these things behind closed doors always have a bit of a different story than the ones that we get. Um, that's it, uh, Some of your texts at 960-960. Fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, this one says, this is very rude, but okay. Uh, is there something wrong with your head? Will you stop trying to appease Huberto with a coach that will listen to him or ignite his spark? Please wake up. Okay, there's a couple of things to go off of this here. First of all, relax. It's okay. It's a Tuesday. You don't have to get up so upset. Be nice. Uh, second of all, I didn't say that Burnett was my favorite coach or that should have been the guy for it. I simply said 
I think that you can make an understanding, a comparable argument that it would make sense for him to be in the running because of his relationship with Huberto. I don't think the be-all, end-all is appeasing Jonathan Huberto, but I do think having a coach that can get the best out of your top-paid forward. It makes sense to bring in a guy who, you know, for the guy you're paying what, $10 million a year for, you want to have him comfortable and playing to his full potential. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't want you to bend over backwards for the guy. And I, by the way, did I say that? No. I, I don't remember that I said that, so I don't know if there's something wrong with my head. There's different things wrong with me. That's not one of them. Your head is not one the of them. The other ones I can't talk about on the radio. But, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I just thought, I thought Burnett was a compelling candidate. Did I think that he was... Far and away the only choice because of his relationship with Huberto? No, but Huberto had his best statistical season with that guy as the head coach. He's an open candidate. You have an open head coaching job. Makes sense to connect the two. Uh, Again, did he have to be the favorite? No, I I think there are other good, great candidates too that can get something good out of Jonathan Huberto, but they don't have to be Andrew Burnett. Um... This one says about 10% uh, of this has to do with the Panthers uh, making this problem in the playoffs. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word that better. Uh, Essentially just going over uh, Chucky and and Bobrovsky being the reason the Panthers are where they're at. Uh, Maurice, a bit of an overhyped coach in this texter's opinion. And, yeah, I mean, again, interesting that you'll – You'll throw that out there, and um, a lot of people thought that perhaps Paul Maurice was done after his tenure in Winnipeg. And look, I remember early on in Florida when things weren't going well, that Paul Maurice was a very controversial hire there. A lot of people in Florida did want Andrew Brunette to be that team's next head coach. Didn't happen. It's worked out well. And, yeah, you can absolutely wonder how much of that is the head coach. I think you have to give him a certain amount of credit for sure. But how much of it, again, that's up for your discretion. Um, <laughs> this one says one plus one equals two. Some texters don't understand that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, before we get out of here, though, um, sounds like there's – Trying not to get too ahead of myself on this, but there's at least some early reporting out of Pittsburgh that some perhaps, rumblings? perhaps, maybe don't quote me on this. I'm not trying to sell this as news. Getting my typewriter out, but it sounds as though there's a few people in Pittsburgh putting together the pieces that we could see. Kyle Dubis announced as the Penguins GM today. Huge. That's some initial reporting from a station in Pittsburgh. Potentially huge. Uh, 105.9 The X. Big if true. Which is apparently Pittsburgh's rock alternative and your radio home for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a two for one. So whenever you're in Pittsburgh. That they do at 105.9 The X. So not only (laughs) do you get your rock alternative, but you also get the radio home of the Penguins. So Do we need to start playing rock music? No, I think no. we're okay. Like, no. <laughs> we need to play Cam's weird 
That's right. Depths of the internet music. Oh, I got you. His AI music. A little far from that. Uh, so, so that's the news today. Carberry in Washington. Hines out in Nashville and expecting him to be replaced with Burnett. So you can scratch him off the Flames potential list. Um, that texter still says uh, something wrong with my head. I agree, but not in the same sense as that texter. And finally, early rumblings, just rumblings. Don't quote me if this doesn't turn out to be right about perhaps Kyle Dubas news in Pittsburgh as early as this afternoon. So the whole it's Toronto or nothing thing, we're just going to ease it. It's just yeah. not a thing anymore. Yeah. No, we're not going to. Like, well, you offer me Sidney Crosby and well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll. Thanks, Dubas. We'll get there. Uh, so, of course, if any of that breaks uh, during the show, we'll bring you reaction right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We got to get out of here. We got to get to hour two coming up in just moments. Uh, it's a packed hour two for you. How about this? WPCA Insider Report. Talking some chucks. Kicking off the hour. Weekly feature here on Sportsnet today. Kicking off. Also, a stamps report. Stampeders back in action. Our inaugural stamps report for the season went yesterday. We'll have another one coming your way today as the stamps get set for their second preseason game against the BC Lions on Thursday. And uh, checking with Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan. In Toronto, chat all things uh, NHL playoffs. So lots to get to an hour or two. Stick around. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.